Welcome to another episode of Pilates Elephants. So great to have you with me. I am here with Jeff. Jeff, good to good to be with you. Good to be here. Thank you for having me on the show, Raf. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to our convo. So can you uh, briefly introduce yourself to the Pilates stratosphere? I'm, um, as we picked up, Jeff, I run a couple of Pilates studios over in the UK, a couple of reformer Pilates studios called the Pilates Movement in the Surrey area, which is just south of London. Um, I also have a hit studio up in London, um, which is on the complete opposite end. I came over here probably about five years ago and started in the in the hit, hit world, I'm teaching hit Pilates. It's uh, training and then sort of migrated over to Reformer Pilates. Um, I've been in the industry for about 10 years now. Probably more of a business perspective than, than a trainer. I used to have an ex-corporate background, came out of that about 10 years ago. Bit of a bit of a weird old way to come out of it. But um, I was a stay-at-home dad for about four years and started doing fitness as a hobby and it evolved into, into running studios. So, yeah, just corporate career, burnout, changed over to the fitness industry, which is is quite um, a common story sometimes when you start to talk about people's backstories. Uh, it's it's people come into this industry in a few different ways and, and that was mine. So, yeah, so still going all right. UK um, is is going well. So, no, enjoying it. Yeah, it is a common – it is a pretty common story and in the, the people that I train to be instructors, that is probably the most common story is people who are starting a second career that they – that is based around their passion and their values, and they've they've oftentimes done the work in the corporate sector that maybe at one time was inspiring to them, but it's for some reason or another, you know, it stopped being inspiring to them, or they realised they weren't they were no longer passionate about it. And uh, yeah, so here we are following our dreams in Pilates. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't always feel like that, but. It, it, it can turn into a very, very stressful job. Um, but, yeah, no, you can try and make it into a vacation if you if you enjoy it. Right. Well, that's what we're here to talk about is you've got two studios and you're growing. And we, we got into a chat on Instagram. Uh, and so basically we're going to have a chat and see if we can come up with some solutions for you around uh, growing your studios and particularly the staffing aspect so you know set that up for us and and what would you know tell me tell me what you what would you like to achieve from this conversation um you know it's always good to hear someone's experience and and i think you touched on at the start organic conversations ends up changing the thought process or the direction and you can be having a certain conversation in your mind and go down a completely different path and, and sometimes they're the best conversations to have. What I would always like to get out of conversation is any knowledge. I've, I've learned that my way is not always the best way and, you know, I, I did come into this industry very, very late and, you know, most of the time my experience comes from, you know, getting your fingers burnt, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Um, no, it's a tough old industry. So what... I did think you did say was was really really good is about continuity of classes and mm. in reformer Pilates it is a very hard thing to do is create that that level of continuity across your studio and and you've got a certain picture or you've got an image or you've got a dream of what you want to achieve and it's not always easy to extrapolate that point across particularly to team we're all very creative in this industry I think most reformer Pilates have invested very heavily in their education um any instructors so we, we're normally at the cream of the crop i think to a lot of extents 
so yeah, I, I'd love to learn your views on on how you get that kind of continuity across across the studio where. You know, I see people doing TV screens, that type of thing. I know there's a lot of that. Like with heat training, it's quite quite easy. We just write the classes. Here's the class. Here's what you're teaching. Trainers rock in 15 minutes before. They have a look on the wall. Okay, that's what I'm doing. It is quite straightforward. The timings are all there. They're given to you where reform of Pilates, and I like to think it's one of the hardest things to possibly teach. Um, you know, most of the time you can't demonstrate or you're flapping your arms around, trying to wave around in the air, trying to – demonstrate how to do this so yeah what what your thoughts on that would be would be brilliant or even how you'd start that initial step into creating that that level of continuity okay so you've got a couple of studios and how many instructors do you have working for you roughly um two instru- uh so two studios we were about to open another one so we've just um uh final stages completing on that so we'll be three soon and quite a few more beds in that at the moment i have 13 instructors working for me Congratulations. What a wonderful business you're building. Um, so, and so you're teaching what, 80, 100 classes across the week, something like that at those two we studios? We have 30 classes on roughly in each studio. So <laughs> across the board, yeah, 60 classes. We also have PT studios in each, each um, that's kind of the business model I'm aiming for. So we've got our main studio, Studio One, we call it. And we've got a Studio 2, which is a personal training studio. So quite a lot of PTs and then quite a lot of classes. So about 60 across the board. Great. And you want to have more, you know, we use the word continuity a few times. Do you want to have more, uh, I guess, coherence between the different class styles? So, you know, is it the goal that if I, I mean, do you currently have like classes that are listed as kind of level one or intense or burn or you know, stretch and tone or like do you have particular class types or is it just like Pilates with Raf and I, then I just show up and teach whatever the heck I want to teach? Like, <laughs> Nah, 100%. So we, we've got four different classes. Um, we've got Reformer Control and that's our main kind of, you know, 80% stretching. This is kind of how I brief the team, how I want them run. And that's, you know, that dynamic, you know, and, and that's the style we adhere to is that dynamic Reformer Pilates um, that's what's on trend. That's what's packing out the classes right now. So it, it is uh, that dynamic flow we, we try and stipulate in the classes. So it's probably 20% stretching, 80%, you know, workout. It is a workout, um, you know, and, and how I brief that in the team, nothing too complicated, guys. You know, if you're changing spring settings six, seven times in a session, that's probably too much. You know, set it up get your spring setting on there and run with it for about 20 minutes, 15 minutes, do your pyramid where you go over, you'll do something on your left, you'll do something in the middle when you go over to the other side. And that's how I try and stress how that class should be run to the team. That just seems to work. It's it's nice and simple. I don't go for complicated classes. I think I've listened to one of your podcasts before and, and one point which really resonated with me, Raf, was that you said, you know, the classes, the instructors that are packing them out, Sometimes the ones that do the busiest are the ones that, you know, do the simplest classes, and I find that's very true. Um, so we've got Reformer Burn, and that is a workout. If anybody asks me what that is, it's it's an aesthetic workout. It's And I've got a very strong PT background, and I try and use that PT background to know, you know, the levers, what's working, what's going to get the, the Bernie bum or whatever, like what's going to get that aesthetic look. Not many exercises, hardly any, maybe 10 exercises. You're doing them for like two minutes. Think like skaters, scooters, all that kind of good stuff, lunges, 
the things is really going to build muscle, get that get that strength element going. Um, it's the kind of class where everyone's looking at you constantly, trying to stop. Are you going to start counting? Are you going to start counting? And that's kind of when you hit the nail on the head. So we've got there our two biggest performing classes. We've got a lengthen, um, which is just a, you know fifty five minutes to stretch, very repetitive. Um, you know, you use up your bag of tricks pretty quickly when you teach a lengthen class a few times. There's only so much, but people like that. They just want to come in. They want to stretch. You know, you do footwork, that kind of thing, mid back, and um, we have a challenge class. So we haven't rolled that out at the new studio. So that always takes a while to roll out. And that's when you start getting a bit crazy when you're seeing all your Instagram moves and your, your snakes and your arabesques and your gymnasts and all that kind of cool stuff. It's not our most popular class. People who love it, you've got your diehards in there, absolutely love it. It's probably the most um, one of the funnest classes I teach, but it's not for everyone. So you couldn't build a business model around that. We did have jump and core, didn't really land. We ended up migrating out of that, the jump boards. We'll use the jump boards in the um, burn class. So, yeah, that's it. So you got your reformer control, um, reformer burn, reformer lengthen, and reformer challenge. Okay. And so what would you say is the gap between how you want it taught and how it's being taught currently? You know, magic wand, how would you like it to be compared to, you know, what's what? where's the gap for you? Well, I think it's more – I'm in a very tight-knit area, so people move between the studios. Um, how I would like to, as we grow, um, symbolise what a Pilates movement class is. So when they go into a Pilates movement control class, they can go into any one of the studios. Look, I'm very fortunate. I've got an amazing team. My instructors are absolutely brilliant, very well educated, been in the industry for a long time. And I know when they step on the dance floor, they're always going to teach the best class of their abilities. They're just professionals to the highest standard. Um, as I think a lot of instructors are in this industry, there there is a point where I would like to be create what a class is, and that's the control class and the burn class for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd like to so you'd like to like because you mentioned a minute ago that you you kind of kind of do. It sounds like you do have some. Uh, kind of a, a a framework for how you want the class taught, right? So you want, you know, no more than, well, you said, you know, six spring changes is too many, right? So um, presumably, you know, you've got some number in mind that you would like, mm. okay, no more than three spring changes or no more than four spring changes or whatever yeah. number, right? Um, and we could probably, you know, you've got you've got your pyramid taught where you basically start out, and I, I, by that, I'm assuming you mean you start out with some kind of easy version of the exercise and you work up harder, 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 harder yep. until no one can do it. And then you Little go bit. down again. And then you have to do the front you have to do the front of the body, back of the body, the sides of the body. So you face the foot bar, you face the pulleys, you face the sides. Yep. Do the arms, do the legs. Bada bing, bada boom. Everyone's had a good yeah. workout, right? So, And there might be one or two other things that you would stipulate. It's like, okay, if you were to write your perfect class, right, that you would want your members to experience every time, do you have, like, have you written that out? Oh, look, the perfect class, Raph, from what I found is you start off in footwork, you do your mid-back, you work your core, you do your lunge, you do your forward, you do your back, and then you go back over the other side of your lunge. That is the class whenever, when I open the studio, that is the class I teach. So something within that remake because it just that's the one everyone walks away from. It's simple. It's your core Pilates reformer class. Hmm. It's the one everybody loves hundred um, percent. I'm sorry to interrupt. Would you 
would you literally teach that same class? Like, so, like, again, this is perfect world magic wand scenario, right? So don't worry about what's possible. It's like, if you could wave a magic wand and have all your instructors teach, like, literally what you just described, start with footwork, go to lunges, do the, do the front, do the back, step off the sides, class is done, you know, do a bit of a stretch at the end, whatever, and then class is done. Is that is that what you would literally teach every class? Not every time, no, because people – you, you do put a lot of pressure on yourself to always be different in the class and you do need to have variety in there. Some people want variety, some people won't. And I know this is a complicated conversation. What I'm saying, it, it does get more complicated. That's your perfect class, the one you would open a studio with, but it's going to get very samey after a while as well. And you do need to bring in your, your cooler moves. Like people do want to get a bit of mastery about it. It still needs to be achievable for all because you've got people from very different ends of the spectrum as well. And I think the reason why that class is so good to start with is none of it's overly complicated to teach. It's, it's very simple. But you do want people to feel like they've got a level of progression as well. So, all right. So here's here's what I would like to do with you. Like if, if I was in your studio and I was your like head trainer or something, we were working out, okay, yeah. how do we roll this out to the team? What I would suggest is, okay, well, let's let's just sit down and let's write out the perfect class, right? Now, like you said, the perfect class, it might not be the exact set of exercises, yeah. but there might. I'm sure you could come up with, and I'm sure you could come up with this in a few minutes, Jeff, from what I've heard from you today, today already, is like, okay, you're going to work the legs, as, you know, significantly, yeah. right? There's going to be some compound leg exercise in there that works the whole leg, like a lunge or a squat or a footwork or jump right. board work on heavy springs or a scooter. There's got to be some kind of compound leg movement. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then there's probably other things that you'd want to have in there, like regardless of whether it's the first class or the 100th class, you'd probably want, okay, some arms in straps or some other form of like ab work, right? There's got to be some, you know, ab work, right? And then there's got to be whatever, right? And, and I, I don't want to tell you what the rules are because it's your business. You get to make the rules. But, you know, does there have to be a forward bend and a backward bend or does there just have, like, do we just have to do a push and a pull? Like what are the what are if if I if I want to wow you as an instructor, right? And you say show me your class. I'm like, well, here's the class I just taught you. Like, oh, perfect class, dude. Like, what would be in that class, you know? And and so can you make, could you make a we don't need to make a list of those things right now on on air, but could you make a list of those things? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and you know, like you said, no more than X number of spring changes, right? And you know, uh, you know. If it was me, I would say don't change uh, no more than like X number of um, equipment setting changes as well, right? Um, and I would also add something like, okay, you know, must do must face forwards and backwards at some point on the in the workout. So you work the front muscles and the back muscles, um, you know. And there's probably got to be something in there about. You know, from what you've said to me, okay, the the intensity is important to you. You want people to build muscle and build strength, so you must get them to a point of near failure, right? At for each muscle group at some point in the session, right? So you have to get to that, have to have sufficient load on there, whether that's adding enough springs or taking enough springs off, uh, so that the clients get to that point where they're like, "Oh crap, I can't, <laughs> I don't know if I can do another one here," right? Like, like you said, they're looking at for you, waiting for you to start counting. So I think if you made a list of those things, right, and you turned that into a, a framework, right, and you say, okay, so you don't, there's no one exercise that you have to do, right, but you have to do a compound leg movement. 
And there's no one ab exercise that you have to do, but you have to do an ab exercise. And there's no one, you know, and there has to be a balance of pushing and pulling, right? And you have to, whatever, like you just make up the rules, right? You you get to make up the rules. Don't worry about my rules. But if you can write that down as a framework, right, and then test that out with your own classes and teach that out a few times and go, okay, if I teach this framework, is that really, did I really nail it? Is that the, the really the perfect class that I want to teach? And after you teach it, I mean, you've probably just planned it out in your head and you've taught so many classes at this point, I imagine. But once you get really comfortable with that and you're like, okay, yeah, this is exactly how I would like my classes taught. And it's got to be like specific enough that, you know, people are always going to be able to follow it. Like it's not so vague that I could go, oh, I taught this exercise that is an ab exercise. And like, no, that doesn't work in my framework sort of thing. So it has to be specific enough. Like, you know, you might have to say, like, you need to bring all muscle, you know, the following muscle groups to a point of near failure, you know, abs, glutes, back, shoulders, you know, like whatever, you need to specify whatever the things are. But it also needs to be broad enough that if I'm an instructor, I'm not limited to like, well, if I have done arms in straps the last 99 classes in a row, maybe I want to do long stretch today instead, you know. And that still works, right? Because it's going to get the same result for the clients, presumably. If you're and if you're happy with that, then it's got to have enough leeway in it that I can, you know, I can have that creativity. But the, then that creativity for me as an instructor comes in within within the framework, you know. And and your framework might say you always have to start with legs, okay? Or it might even say you always have to start with footwork, right? I mean, at KX here in Australia, you know, they always start with a stretch of the foot in the thing, right? So there's there's no rule that says you can't do it the same all the time, but there's also no rule that says you have to do it the same all the time. So you can specify whether you want to start them with a certain thing or, or whatever. And remember, we're not rolling this out to the team yet. We're just writing a perfect fairy tale, you know, scenario. So yeah, does that make sense to you? 100%. It's, it's, and um, it's, I think the key word there is framework. Like I'll write my classes, my class plans, I'll do about 12 in a row. And I do that because then I can sort of visualize it, go, okay, I did that three X, three workouts ago, or I did that four workouts ago. So you can call on all that knowledge and sort of step it in as in where you, you know, you see bits. So, so I still, whilst I am going back saying, you know, there is that level of repetition, I am making way, you know, you might do footwork, but you might do it 10 different ways. Right. So you will start off about a little bit of variety. Still the same overarching goal. Um but, yeah, by me being able to do those 10, but I think that eliminates that by saying the word, you know, framework. It, it does make a lot of sense where, okay, you start with your legs or whatnot, um, work your way through, and then you can call on, oh, okay, this is the exercises I know that fit within that remit. I'll call on them, I'll pop them in. Okay, I did that two or three back end. Because you do need to, to keep it fresh, but not weird as well. Like, I think you know, getting the speeding settings right is probably one of the hardest things when we start out with this and making sure they're all And I think the thing I always say to any of my team, um, jump into classes. That's the best way you learn as well. And that's how I'm always learning is jumping into a class, getting on the bed and then stealing as much as I possibly can from the instructors as well. So I think you're always learning, oh, you know, that spring setting didn't really land, that spring setting did land. Um, is is quite important, and then being able to build the framework within that spring setting you're saying is, is quite good. So no, absolutely amazing advice. So very very appreciate that. All right, so you all right. So if you write your framework right, and the framework would literally just be like a a one page document that would say 
classroom work, okay, and it'd say, okay, class, you know, you know, must include the following components, you know, compound leg exercise, push, pull, forward bend, backward bend, whatever the things are, right? Uh, must bring, you know, in each of the following exercises, must get the clients to within three reps of failure or, you know, like whatever the rules are, right? You make the rules, but you write them down there. And, uh, you know, no more than four spring changes, no more than two equipment changes or, or whatever the, the rules are. Uh, and then you, you know, for each of those categories, you know, arms, legs, abs, back, whatever you've put, you know, must, you must include in there. I would suggest give a list of examples, like example exercises that fit in this category, right? So if you're talking about legs, it'd be like a uh, lunges, uh, suggested spring setting, scooter, suggested spring setting, footwork, suggested spring setting, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so, so it's not it's not a rule, but it's like, here's an example, right? When I take compound leg exercise, I don't mean clams, right? I mean lunges on a light spring or scooter on a heavy spring, right? So, so and that kind of will, it doesn't mean people can't do things that aren't on the list, right? But what it means is, here's like, here's, if you've got five examples of exercises and they're all like heavy compound movements, and then I come in with some kind of like point your toes, flex your toes on a light spring sort of thing. And it's like, no one's going to get a burn on that. You're like, hey, dude, like that plane, you know, that plainly doesn't match the other examples that I've provided here on the list. You know, so it's it's not just completely up to interpretation of what you do. It's like it's got to match this set of exercises, you know. So it doesn't have to be one of these, but it has to be similar enough that it's going to achieve the same result. So giving those examples. And so then once you've got that, that becomes uh, your um, proprietary method, your, you know, here's the way we do things, you know, here. Um, And then it's just a matter of, you know, how do you roll that out to the team? Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the hard, uh, that's the hardest bit then, Raph, like, you know, coming up with a way of doing it and then rolling it out because, you know, I guess up until now, my philosophy always is if you're packing out the beds, I'm good. And, you know, I try and give mentorship as much as I can as and when. Um, but, you know, it, it, that's the rolling out bit is, is hard. So, and I think we do fall into that trap if we're making money, if the beds are packed out, you know why? Why question it? Because at the end of the day, it is a business. It is there to make make money. Um, as much as we have the passion and the love for it, um, it is it is about putting beds, um, packing out beds. So I think um, coming up with methodology is is good, excellent. It's um, it's the next one rolling out to instructors. That's the that's the uh, that's the tricky one. It is well. It's. Are there instructors currently who are packing out classes who mm. are teaching in a way that wouldn't match that framework? Like um, if I go to a burn class at your studio, is there really? someone who's currently teaching those who are packing out their classes but they're not really pushing people that hard? Well, I find when we the burn class and one of the, the one ethos I have on it, it, you know, nothing really balance orientated. It shouldn't be the idea of a burn class, anybody can step off, into the studio and do that without really any prior experience. It's, it's not meant to be a complicated class. Um, you know, you're not going to do legs in loops really. Maybe if you put like a, a ring in between your heels and you start squeezing away and you get that inner fire burn, that, that's always a good one. I'll start off with that one. Um, 
But really, anybody should be able to walk into a reformer burn class straight off the street into a reformer burn class, no, no problems. And what I do find is some people still make it complicated, put in exercises which probably should be in a challenge class, and then I'm still it takes a while to coax in. No, 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 it's it's still too hard. It's still too hard. It's meant to be hard, not that kind of hard. It's meant to be hard in in a completely different way, hard and. And I think that's probably a bit of a challenge is understanding two different philosophies on what hard should be in reformer qualities. Got it. All right. I think this is really going to help you. We use uh, this distinction of hard because I agree with you. Hard is a very blunt word. It, it you know, it's a blunt instrument. It, it, it's easy to mean different things by it. Um, and so we use a distinction between different ways you can make it hard of strength range of motion, and control. And those are the three dimensions that you can make it hard in. And so something can be very hard in control, but very easy in strength, right? And so it can be like, quote, a hard exercise, but you're not going to get stronger from doing it, you know? And that would be, you know, standing one-handed on a BOSU, juggling three Skittles and a live cat whilst balancing a freaking fitness circle on your nose or whatever. It's like, okay, that's hard, <laughs> okay? But you're not going to get stronger from doing it. And so uh, I think... You know, introducing that concept, it's, it's, it's a very simple concept. I think pretty much everyone can grasp it straight away of strength, range of motion and control. And these are the three dimensions. None of them is better or worse than the others. They're all good and important. They all have their place. In the burn class, we focus on strength. Okay. In the, uh, what did you call the stretch class, the flexibility class, we focus on range of motion. Okay. And in the challenge class, we focus on a combination of all three. Right. We integrate all three together and we do the flying splits and the, quad bridges and the, all the rest of it. Um, and so in the burn class, the challenge should be like 90% to strength, right? The range of motion and the control should be relatively small aspects of it. And in, in the flexibility class, it should be mostly range of motion that's being challenged, not control or strength so much. And so I think the, introducing those concepts, right, um, and, and I think here's where, you know, the, your leadership of the team uh, is, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know if it'll be friction-free. I, I don't see why it has to be friction in it. But I think this is where you need to probably, by the sounds of things, change your relationship with the team. And, you know, I don't know, but my my senses from what you went, what you say, the way you 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 speak about it, is that you feel like you do have the right to sort of tell them how you want it done because you're the business owner. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, well, they're the experts in what they're doing, and so you don't want to tell them how to suck eggs. Have I have I mis misconstrued that? Yes and no. Look, I'm confident in in delivering. I've, I've been managing trainers for a long, yeah, well, over well over five years now, and you know, I'm confident in delivering. Um, that hell, I guess for me, it's time poor, and I think most small business owners, and it is starting to get a bigger business, is you are time poor. Like managing the team, predominantly, I let my wife manage the team. In a lot of fairness, like rotors who can cover that type of thing engaging for me being able to it is i'm teaching i'm running the studio still up in london that's taken up a lot of my time as well um that's more of a sales process like sales you know that that's takes up so much of my time 
for me, it is it is time. It's coming down to going and jumping into classes, having these chats with people, getting offline. I'm I'm either teaching at the studios. I still teach quite a lot. I do a lot of PTs. Um, probably too much than what I have, and I need to start stepping off the floor more than what I um than what I am, and start being more the business. And you always see these friends being the business owner or being the operator. And sometimes I feel like I have essentially just given myself a very, very stressful job. Um, and I think, you know, that would probably resonate with a lot of people is, is getting off that floor and then focusing on the product more. And that's what I want to do is be focusing on the strategy, the product, the marketing. And, and it's very hard to step away when you know there's such direct cost to the business. So, yeah, there's definitely elements of what you're saying, but there's elements where it just comes down to me being so infinitely time poor. So if you can make it easy um, in terms of just rolling that out and delivering it to people, but then again, it, it's, it's never a straightforward, oh, here, guys, here's a new template. This is how we're going to run the classes as well. And you, you don't want to suppress people either. Um, yeah, so it, it, is, it, is, uh, it is complicated in, in some ways, but that comes down to a lot to my my time just just you know trying to be a jack of all trades in so many different levels got it so um this and this is this is a this is the entrepreneur's challenge right is because is to is to let go of things because when you start out as a solo operator the reason you succeed is because you hustle and you're good and you care and you work hard and you you know you do all if you're multi-skilled you know you can sell and you can teach pt and you can teach group classes and you, you know you can do customer service and you can probably fix the website if it breaks and all of the things right um, and that's what makes you successful as a as a solopreneur but then as your business grows the fact that you're still doing a lot of those things is actually what's holding you back from growing the business further because now you need to focus on more high value tasks and so when i and and that process doesn't end like it hasn't ended for me our business is doing about four million a year it and i know people are doing 10 times what i'm doing and it's, they're still in this process right <laughs> the process doesn't end of giving stepping back from things and letting other people take over responsibility for those things and, you know, when you very first start out, you know, like the first couple of people you hire, you probably hire people to take over the things you hate doing, like the books or the cleaning or the whatever. But, you know, fairly soon you've given away most of the things you hate doing and everything you do, you like doing, right? And now you, now you need to hire people to do the things that you like doing. And, and maybe you like doing some things, but you're not that good at them, right? It's like, okay, I'm not bad at teaching group reformer, but there's someone over here who's a superstar who's actually even better than me. So even though I like doing it, I just can say I'm not the best at it. But then you give up the things that you're actually really good at, right? I'm really good at teaching at teaching courses, right? And so that was one of the last things that I go, I'm giving up. I'm still not completely giving it up. I still teach the diploma here. But that was one of the last things that I gave up because there are actually other things in the business, in my business, that are more high value for me to do. And so I think in your business, from sound of things where you're at, going just transitioning from two to three studios you've got probably you said 13 instructors i'm guessing you have a few extra admin staff and whatever so you probably got like 15 16 people something like that working for you well yeah colleagues i've got another seven staff so all in i I'd probably get about 20 staff collectively and all the others in between and all i'm right. still teaching all right and i think you probably should be still teaching right at that size of business but not probably not the PT sessions, 
right? I mean, if I if I if I if I just go through a mental list of the things that you said that you do, okay, sales, uh, teaching group sessions, teaching PT sessions, leading the team. Okay, now your wife does a lot of the what you said kind of sounds like management of the team, like covers and schedules and all of that stuff. But it sounds to me, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds to me like you're the one kind of setting the direction for the teaching. Did, did I get that correct? Yeah. So, you know, if I think like, you know, what are the things that are like the highest value tasks in your business? Like the things that will either produce the highest amount of revenue, you know, leveraged per hour of that you spend, or the things that if you stuff it up is the, going to pose the greatest existential threat to your business, Right. So, and I think, well, those things are plainly sales, right? That's the light, that's the oxygen supply to the business. Okay. And I think that's probably, if you're good at it, that's probably one of the last things you should give away to anyone, right? Because you're probably going to be the best person in the business at it because you're number one, you're so passionate and two, you're and invested. And number two, it's actually a native skill of yours, right? If, if it is. And number two is leading the team, right? Because if you can improve the way these people teach by, you know, 10 or 20%, right, that has a multiplied effect, right? They all teach 20% better, right? And that reaches hundreds, probably a 1,000 clients, you know, in a week, right, or close to it. Whereas if you teach an amazing PT session, it's like, whoopee, five clients go away each week going, oh, I had an amazing session with Jeff, right? Great for them, right? <laughs> but the, the size of the impact you're making there is 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 disproportionately small relative to the time that you're spending on those PT sessions. So if you, I mean, how many PT sessions are you teaching a week? No, probably about 10. Okay. So if you took those 10 hours, right, and spent them you know, building your framework, Please. Have uh, sitting in on like five classes a week, right? And then giving feedback to those trainers afterwards based on the framework. Hey, you did this, you did this, you didn't do this. Here's what I want you to do different next time. Here's what was awesome, right? If you did that like five times a week, like for say three months, right? And so every trainer gets like personal feedback from you at least once a week. Uh, you're doing five a week. You got thirteen trainers, so you get to a trainer every like three, 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 two times every three weeks, right? Your trainers will all go to the next level. Like even the mm. ones that are already next level, they go to the level above, right? Because mm. that feedback and that you know personal guidance is just you can't substitute for it. Mm. No, fair play. What do you, what do you no, think? No, no, it's, it's just yeah, you, you say. It's- I think I think it's hard to to roll it out as well. Like, I mean, what you said earlier, it's like what we call the shit sandwich. Is you know, whenever you're delivering, and we know lights get criticism in this industry. It's it's a it's always delivered with kick glass, isn't it? It's, it's always a hard thing to deliver. It's just so personal. These sessions, you put so much into it, and I think if I was to struggle with anything, it is always feedback. And then I'm being lazy in the sense where I don't know I'm being lazy. Going, oh yeah. Classes are booming, everyone's packing out, people are coming back. And you could automatically go into that thing, oh, if someone's not performing, all right, I'll see you later kind of thing. And, and I, you know, sometimes I've fallen into the habit, all right, if someone's not performing, do I either spend time with them, get them up to speed, 
but then I'm so time poor. But yeah, it is. Um, and but you're right. What you you know we we call it the shit sandwich where you've got good feedback. Here's what you're doing right. Here's what you're doing amazing. You know, here's some areas of improvement. And then, but I just want to finish. You know, class is doing great. You obviously got a great vibe. Blah blah blah. And that's how I would normally deliver that. Um, but yeah, no, definitely all good points. And it does come down. And and I'll um. You know, I'll put off jobs sometimes on there cleaning the studio. And I'm thinking, why am I doing this? And all I'm doing is thinking, I call it procrastinating. When I start cleaning and I start picking up something, I know I'm procrastinating because I just don't want to do the things that I know. Because there are some things which are a little bit uncomfortable sometimes picking up that phone to a difficult memo or some having those conversations on the phone are a little bit uncomfortable you don't want to do. Or you'd rather spend two hours mopping, sweeping, cleaning out the dunnies and pick up that phone. And it's just that productive procrastination. And sometimes you just got to slap yourself in the face and go, what are you doing? You know, you, you should be up beyond this at this point, but you still can't fall back into your own traps. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is a, complicated, a complicated thing. You're right and everything you're saying is right. And I know you're saying what you're saying is right. And then, um, but yeah, it's delivery. And that's why coming out with a really good framework, what you said, is 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 important. And I am just trying to think two, three, four, five studios down the track where I can just sort of start to switch off a little bit, roll this out, and know it's a success, you know, it's it's, it's product now. And that's what I want to be focusing on, the product just being absolutely bang on and um, not varying. People go from one studio, I'm like, oh, I love this teacher and – you know, in, and people get their followings and that's one thing I do worry about. Instructors get their followings. If that instructor leaves, we lose members because of that because they're following that instructor's style of teaching um, or they go to another studio and, you know, quarter of your business ups and leaves because they want to follow that instructor to the other studio. And they're all things which I think are in the back of studio owners' minds as well that – there is that worry as well. So the the better the product is and the more the product is, the Pilates movement product or at your studio, whatever studio product, um, I think it does become more and more important where people stay because of your signature or your core class. So, yeah. Right. I, and that is a real risk, you know. I mean, it's undeniable that clients become attached to their instructors and even if all of the instructors are teaching the same style, they all still have their own personalities and clients are going to connect uh, and become attached to a particular instructor for sure. You know, otherwise we could just have them do a DVD or stream it, you know, over the internet. And, you know, people come in because they want that personal touch and that relationship. So for sure that's a risk. Uh, and I don't know if, I don't know if there's a perfect way to mitigate that risk, but I think having the team as coherent as possible and having a very consistent product so that, okay, if I know that, you know, Mary's not going to be there today and I love Mary's classes, but if I go to John's class and he teaches just as good as Mary, even though his jokes aren't quite as funny, you know, like it's still, I think that does mitigate that to a certain extent, although I don't think you can ever completely, you know, eliminate that risk of an instructor leaving. But I think paradoxically, you know, there are, there are a few reasons instructors leave studios, but I think the two, you know, big ones are they are not they're not growing, okay, or they're stifled, right? And I think studio owners often get it wrong at both ends of the spectrum. Um, and so, you know, I've known um, some 
people work in different Pilates franchises and have left those franchises because there were such rigid rules about how you could do everything. They felt they had to be like a robot. You know, the specific cues they had to use and the specific sequence they had to teach the class in and, you know, where they had to stand in the room when they said certain things and which music they were allowed to play. It was all like very, very, very prescribed. And they just found after a couple of years, it's like, I'm not growing here anymore. I'm not learning anything. I'm just literally going through the most motions over and over. And if I want to grow as an instructor, I have to go elsewhere to do that. So that's one way to lose good people is to be too prescriptive. And that's why I'd suggest a framework rather than a recipe, right? Because People can grow within a framework, right? The other end, though, is where people get no guidance, no feedback, and they feel like they're not growing because they don't know if they're doing a good job or what they need to do to improve, right? So here's the thing about you know, A players is A players want to be A players. Like, they want to perform. They want to be the best. You know, And like you said, most people in this industry are like that. We've spent you know tens of thousands of dollars on our certifications and you know studying for years and all the rest of it because we want to be the best we can possibly be. And that doesn't stop when we when we get into a workplace, right? We want you know all of I, I can tell you like for a certainty that all of your top instructors will will be grateful for feedback, right? As long as you deliver it in a in a you know kind hearted you know, way and in a constructive way that is, you know, plainly there to help them improve, not just, you know, you telling them off or something, that people relish it. And and I've been through the exact same, you know, situation that you're in where I, you know, when I was a studio owner, I sort of like had the exact same thing. I've got all these great instructors, they're all teaching different styles. I wanted them to teach more in this, the same style. And I felt like, well, who am I to tell these people? And actually universally I found once I started doing that and giving people feedback, people, the instructors were like, oh, this is so great. I wish you'd done this two years ago. This was so awesome. Thanks so much for this feedback. I didn't know how I could improve. I was getting really stale. You know, it was like, yeah, so people I think will be, you'll be surprised by how much they'll actually be grateful for the feedback. Um, but I think the, 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 the change management process, it is a process right? And like you say, you can't just give them a sheet and go, here's a framework, go teach it, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're going to have to, you know, get your framework together, have a have a team meeting, okay? Teach them a class based on the framework, right? And go, hey, did you like that class? And if anyone goes, no, that was a shit class, then go, okay, well, you're probably not going to be a good fit, <laughs> okay? Um, but, you know, chances are they're all going to go, that was an awesome class, right? And you're going to say, okay, great, I'm going to show you how to teach that class, right? Here's the framework, right? And here's what I've put together. And I've been around to all of your classes and I've checked out what all of you do. When you do your best classes, this is what you were doing, right? And so this is what I've put together and this is what I want, what I want us all to do now, right? So let's talk about how to do this, right? Let's get down on the machines and let's just practice, okay, what does a compound leg exercise look like? What does working the abs look like? What does doing a pull exercise look like? What is blah, 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 you know? Um, how do we figure out how to not change the springs for six exercises in a row sort of thing? Um, how do we program that? Um, so, so you actually go through it with them and then just, you know, ask, do you have any questions? Do you have any questions? Does that make sense? Do you guys want to teach it to each other? Okay, what would you teach here? What would you teach here? Etc. And then just say, hey, here's a copy of the framework for you all, okay? I'm going to be coming in and sitting in on your classes over the next couple of months. And I'm going to give you feedback. 
okay, to help you get better at this. Now, my feedback is to help, is what I just said, is to help you get better, right? Because I want you to get better, I want me to get better, and I want you to give me feedback as well, right? And then just, you you tell them you're going to do it, then you just do it. Hang on, yeah, right. And and they will thank you, I promise you. Yeah. No, I get it, and I, I I know so much about needs to needs to be done, and and you know you're getting all these businesses over here, and I guess it's a reflection. The UK is a different market as well than than Australia. Like Australia, I went to Australia, and it it is so streamlined in Australia. Like everything you you know you go to studios, everything's so streamlined. The studios that I did visit, and there is so many little independents over here, and we're all just trying to get through and um, figure it out. We're not up in London. And it is going in a different direction now as well, like definitely going in a different direction. And you've got to sort of prep for that too. Like it, it's fast growing over here. It's evolving over here. And it, it is um, which direction it goes in. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting over the next next few years to see, see where it goes. So levelling up. Is really, you know, the base. I think anything we've just discussed is, is just leveling up the studio, getting it prepared, getting it ready to to be be one of the best brands as well. Like that, that's quite important for me. Like creating a brand and and the product is the brand, not just the logo you see. Um, I'm all about the brand, but that's really important and and creating that. And I think control the one that's going to be the signature one as well. So yeah, no, great. Well, right out of control framework. Yeah, no, all good, all good points for us. Thank you. Right out of control framework, right out of burn framework, right out. What was the flexibility class called again? Oh, uh, lengthens just it's we do that two, three times a week. We get a few people love it. You're just doing, you're just recycling every single stretch. Like it's it's hard work as an instructor sometimes because you you know people just want to be stretched. There's a little bit of footwork in there. Get them lengthened out. Um, the most part is is. Yeah, you use up your bag of tricks pretty quickly. And nah, and that's exactly the thing. It took me a while to, to come to terms with on that. Sometimes you put so much pressure on yourself as an instructor to make it different and exciting and wild and, you know, research all these moves. But people just in that class, they just want to be stretched. I don't care if they're doing the same thing because they're doing what they're not going to do at home because they'll come in, they'll book in. And they know they've got no distractions. They're just going to do what the doctor, the physio, whatever's telling them what they should be doing because they can't touch their toes. They can't reach behind their back. You know, their mobility is an issue. So it's just locking them in a room and doing probably what they don't want to do for, for an hour. Right, right. That's an easy one. Lengthens is no. It, um, I have had instructors struggle with that one, though, as well. Like instructors that are not really landed, and I'm, and I'm just sort of in the going, oh, what do I do? It's just a stretch. Don't make it too hard for yourself. Don't make it hard for yourself. And, and I think we all have a tendency to do this. Sometimes we do make things hard for ourselves in this industry when it just doesn't need to be. It can be, you know, simple is good. Um, and you see so many things, and I do see studios over here, not just perform lots of different things, and they try and be all things to everybody. And there's that, that rule in retail is you just do one thing and do it really, really well, and that's – what I'm trying to do is just do one thing. We do reformer. We've got a few little things within that remit, but outside of that, if I start rolling out Matt Pilates and I'm competing with the gyms down the road and the leisure centres and and the people who've been doing it in the village halls for ten years and and what have you, um, so yeah, I just want to do one thing and do it absolutely astoundingly well. 
And where does the PT fit into the business model? What does that add to the business model? Well, it's, it's a good chunk of revenue, but it's we get up so much for PT. When we first started out, we weren't even clocking PT. The studio that we had by chance, we were all just about putting in a studio. They were all the business models we were looking at. Like we were trying to, you know, we've done all different reformer studios and looking at them online. Most of the time it was just one studio. That was your thing, you know, 10 beds, whatever. Um, and then by chance we had this extra room. We put in a reformer, put in a terrible reformer. Um, so I wasn't training enough of reformers and put in a reformer in there, put a barrel in there, put in a wonder chair. It's just a nice space. Right? It was nice big open windows. So we thought we turned it into a PT studio and PT just came a massive part of the business. And it was one, it was a nice one of padding out a trainer's shift. So a trainer comes in and they do two classes and, and that's a good thing for trainers as well. They don't want to, you can give them three classes or two classes and a PT. It's a good earner because a lot of instructors, I'll go out and I'll just do one class and it might be paid well, but they've got to get there 15 minutes before, they've got to pack up, they've got to spend 20 minutes getting there. It ends up being like two, two and a half hour kind of gig. So we can give instructors two, three classes and a PT. It's also held quite lucrative for them as well. And you want your instructors to earn good money from you because they buy into the business. If they're only earning like beyond quid a month from you, it, it, it's not that important for, for you as a job, for them as a job. So you've got to make sure they're earning, they're looked after, um, and it's a good part of their income, a good chunk of their income. Um, so anyway, when we first started off, after PT just went through the roof. We were just getting so many people. So many people didn't know what reform of Pilates were. Um, reporting Pilates was. So coming in, or can we just do one or two sessions? They want to come in, they do a session before they, they see the machines, they're intimidated. Next thing you know, well, why don't we do five sessions with you? Why don't we do 10 sessions with you? Or do you think so? Um, I've got one instructor, she's brilliant. She'll just, no, 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 you can't go into a class. You're going to do five, 10 sessions with me. Oh, okay. Yeah, no worries. And um, yeah, so just, it just became a massive part of the business. So it's probably 20%, you know, 15, 20% of our revenue. And we're always getting requests, prenatal, people come into it a little bit later, they want to do prenatal PTs, um, loads of people with mobility issues, um, can't go into a class, I'll just do, do PTs, we do duet PTs. So it ended up just being a massive chunk of the business, which was initially never on our radar. We just wanted to do a studio, that was it. And yeah, there you go, you never, you're always surprised how these things, oh. What would, do you think would be the impact on the business? If you spent all of your time divided between selling, training the trainers in how to teach and auditing their classes and giving them feedback and training the trainers in how to sell, like this woman who says you've got to do 10 sessions with me before you can do a class, what would be the impact on the business? Sorry, uh? What would be the impact on the business, do you think? Oh, it'd be great. Yeah, no, it would be fantastic. Like, selling is is a hard one, though, Raph. Like, getting instructors to sell is always, um, it's not a dirty word, but a lot of people just don't embrace it. They don't, and you don't have to be salesy. You can just be subtle about it. And look, I'm a salesman through and through. I've been doing sales for years. I've been selling gym memberships. Um, I embrace sales and all that comes, but it's also a direct impact to me, sales. So obviously I'm, I'm going to embrace it a lot more, but I don't mind it. 
I enjoy it. Um, I have no problem telling people. I, I, that's anybody. I think anybody in this industry is is in some way, shape, or form doing sales. Um, even by bringing people back to their classes, there's those little chats at the end, the little chats at the beginning. It's getting people to buy into them, and that 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 is what sales is. And you know, it, it's getting someone to want to spend an hour with you. And you can have all the knowledge in the world, and then if someone doesn't want to spend an hour with you, they're, they're not they're not going to put over their, their hard earned cash. So in in convincing someone that they want to spend an hour with you is, is in any term sales. But yeah, getting my team to sell um, mainly, I don't. It's not necessary so much at the studios. We, we're doing we're doing well. Um, so we probably you know we're not doing that hard sell like at the hit studio. That is sales culture through and through. That is selling gym memberships. We are surrounded by competition. We are selling, selling, selling. And we're on the phone, selling on the phone, you know, needs analysis, all that type of stuff, getting down and, and half an hour sales, phone calls with people. But they're buying a high ticket item. Um, but I think it's it's the subtle sales, which would be at the back end of PTs. But then it gets to the point as well, people have to be able to do the PTs too, which is is, is tricky. But um, I say it when I speak to my instructors, I'm just at the end, um, one thing I'll say to them, you do a one-off PT, and that's what we do a lot of. We do like a one-off PT, just get them ready for the for the game bait, so to speak, just get them ready for the thing. Oh, can we get you booked in for another PT session? Very, very simple, and that's what I say to the instructors. Just say that at the end of the PT session. Can we get you booked in for another session before you go in? And you'd be surprised how often just that simple line Okay, no worries. If you need anything else, let me know. No, you, you don't, you know, that's that's all. So can we get you booked in for another session before you go into the studio? And just those few words, that's what sales is, I think, and, and getting people to do it. Uh, the application is hard, is, is getting people, oh, no, I forgot to say it, whatever. Um, but, yeah, getting those kind of things, always give that feedback to the team. Right. Well, um, and if you can frame it in, if you can sell it to the team, as in, like, the benefit to them is, well, if you can sell this person 10 extra PT sessions, this is the benefit to you as the trainer. Uh, and here's the words you, you can say. It's really simple and easy, like you just explained it to me. Um, I think, you know, so if you, would, if you were to spend your time on that, no, so I'm not talking about, you know, getting your trainers on the phone, you know, selling, you know, year contract memberships, but just saying, hey, I think, you, you know, before you go into group class, I think you should do another five of these one-on-one sessions with me. So we can get you ready or, you know, um, basically whatever this woman says <laughs> that's working so well, <laughs> you know, turn that into a script, right? Yeah. She's personality through and through, like my guy, you know. So just, there's not many people that could pull it off, but she's um, she's one that can pull it off. But, yeah. I remember going, I went to a PT session once. I took over. She was away on holidays and she said, oh, no, no, no. Um, she's saying no. We we can't go into sessions yet. She she's told us we can't. I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, I think you know. You I, I imagine I imagine you'll agree with me that you know. My view is sales is coaching, right? And you're coaching the person to take the steps that are in their own best interest. And you know, often people you know feel uh ambivalent about taking the step there they're feeling anxious about you know moving forwards with something but you know deep in their heart they know this is something they need to do but they're afraid you know they're putting they're putting it off and so when when you know when you take that leadership role in the sales conversation you basically say hey look 
you told me you want to achieve X. Well, here's how to achieve it, right? Mm. You know, are you, are you ready? Are you ready to? Are you ready to achieve it, or are you going to like going to have this conversation again in twelve more months? You know, and so like it sounds like that's what this instructor of yours is doing is she's taking leadership with those clients and tell them what they need to do in order to achieve their results, right? And they believe her because it sounds like she's believable and she's trustworthy, right? So I think all of your instructors, you know, I would imagine have should have, maybe they're not as gregarious as this person, but they, they must have, you know, if they're popular instructors, they must have a level of trust from their clients, right? The clients must trust the instructors, otherwise they wouldn't keep coming back to them. So I think you don't have to do it in a you know, in the same way that this woman does it. But I think all of those instructors have will have an immense influence over those clients. And just a, f- a few casual words at the end of the session, like you say, hey, let's get you booked in for another session. Let's get you booked in for the next six weeks because my schedule's filling up and I'm not sure if I'll be able to fit you in otherwise. Right? Bam, there's <laughs> there's a six-pack sold instead of zero. And, and multiply that times 13 trainers times how many sessions you're doing a week. Like that turns into quite a significant amount. Right. Yeah. Oh, less is more in sales. Like it, it is. It's it's a timing which is a struggle as well. Like I think you know the next step is my next thing is to hire a manager and they don't even teach. And this is probably framework were not rolled out and then they take on all the PTs because what we are finding is PTs are we are very limited to bolting them on at the end of a class, beginning of a class, fitting in with instructors. Instructors don't want to come out just for one PT. Um, unless we can start scheduling too. See, the diaries are very, very difficult. So, and that's why I also stress the point as well. Um, if the instructor can set up the PT when they're there, it makes it a lot easier for us because the next thing you know, you, you just get this whole email tennis game going between, you know, my wife and myself. If we're setting up the instructor, can you do this time? The instructor goes back, they can do this time. And then you, you know, if you can just be banked. You've got two people within a room, their diaries are out in front of them. Can we do this time? Can we do that time? It just becomes so much easier as well. So it's not even just sales. It's just managing the diaries and, and that. Is- well, that's an easy solution. You just need to you need a calendar booking app, like whatever you use, MindBody Online or Schedule It or Acuity or whatever you use to book your sessions. You just need instructors to create availability before or after those sessions for one-on-one for, for PT sessions. And that way there is no ping-pong with the – with the emails, it's just like, oh, would you like to schedule it on Thursday after class? Oh, Mary's free then. Great, I'll book in with Mary, right? And so you just you just do it, automate the scheduling of it. That's that's easy peasy. We did have that. We had software um, called Glowfox. So we had a software that did do that. So we had all our instructors up on our website and then their timetable was bookable on the website, which is brilliant. We, we could just say, okay, guys, we're going to put your slots in, whatever. So, start, so a member could come along and then um, for whatever reason, so a member could come along, put in whatever they could see what their favourite instructor could be booked into and then they got it and then they just removed it, Glowfox removed it. So that was about three or four months ago. Sent our whole system and the whole basis of our business model into disrepair and now we're doing it old school way. But, yeah, we probably could get them to manipulate on the system. That's not a bad shout actually, get them to manipulate it on the, on the system. Um. Just send them a booking link uh, or, you know, book them in over the phone either way. Yeah. And if I was to add any value as well to anyone in selling or anybody out there who's listing for sales, and, and I did say that earlier, less is more, and, and when I've seen people and I the amount of times I've seen people just talk themselves out of the sale 
um, happens a lot. My hit studio, and then they'll be there. And they'll have someone. They'll do a session with. Them. Oh yeah, what'd you think? Da da da. And then you just start talking about how amazing the studio is. We've got this. We've got this timetable. Five minutes, ten minutes. And then you see these people's eyes start to gloss over because they just want to get out the door because they've got a life outside of the studio. And if anybody's selling, less is more. Just the most successful people I've ever seen in sales, particularly at my, my other studio, have gone in there at the end. Uh, what'd you think? Yeah, good, righto. Should we get you signed up? And that's it. And that's all it needs to be is, you know, you can go in. They've just had a session. They, they, they've drunk the Kool-Aid. If, if they like in the Kool-Aid, if they like in what they've just done, anything you say by that point is irrelevant. If you start going, oh, no, we'll get you this, we'll get you that. You've had your hour with them to put all that information over. You don't put that information at the end. You just get in at the end and go, all right, should we get you signed up? bang, and that's all it needs to be. So you don't have to go and think and study a big level of sales and go through this whole divergence of sales. It's it's, it's very, very simple. It really is. Um, but, yeah, it I is. like that. I'm going to get manipulating my calendar a little bit. I think that's great. That, that is thinking wrap. Sometimes you just, you know, you can't see the woods for the trees, can't you? No, you can't. And, I mean, you know, I, I still struggle with that as well. But I think uh, the thing that will help you is getting out of those PT sessions and possibly any other yeah. low-value tasks you do, like cleaning the toilets at the studio or whatever. Yeah, Although, that don't you know, often do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having said that, I mean, I sometimes have some of my best ideas when I'm doing the ironing or, you know, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> vacuuming the floor. Um, but I think, no, that is such great advice about sales and I agree. Like, actually, the most, the highest converting person on our enrolments team or consistently has the shortest calls. She's on the phone for the least time. Um, and she has the highest conversions. <laughs> um, yeah, and she basically just, she doesn't oversell it. She just says, all right, you ready to get going? Okay, great. What would, how would you like to pay? You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, that's the key question as well. You've just got to assume, you've just got to, you know, you've got to assume that they're paying. And the Brits are different as well. Like we don't like over here to, to, you know, in Australia, it's a little bit easier to sell. Like over here, we're a little bit more standoffish with parting of our money as well. So there is a little bit more, um, you just kind of got to cold cock someone, bang. Oh, right. Next thing you know, five minutes later, they put down the phone. I'm just what happened then? You know, it, it needs to be an element of that. And, and you've got to have that. You're not selling crack cocaine. You're selling someone a better, healthier lifestyle. Like you can never lose sight of that as well. You're not tricking into, you know, it's a brick and mortar business. You're never tricking anyone into anything, too. So it, it is a nice, nice basis basis to do. And then you've you've got things here. It's getting more sales over here as well, like you know, teacher training and all that. Everyone's hiring sales reps now. To there's there is a lot more growth. There's a lot more demand. Um, so people are upskilling, upskilling sales. So, mm. all right. Well, I think to round up, you know, my advice to you. Jeff, is sit down at the kitchen table when uh, when the house is quiet, write out a list of all of your things that you do on a weekly basis in the business and put a dollar per hour value next to each of them yep. uh, the, or a pound per hour, you know. So those PT sessions, what do you charge, like 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 80 pounds, something like that per hour, right? Whereas if you spent an hour, you know, training the the reformer team, 
right? Multiply that by how many classes they teach over the week, how many clients they're going to influence. So that's got to be a much higher, you know, if you can increase your class attendance by like 3%, okay, by improving their skills, right? That's got to be more than 80 pounds a week, you know, in value, right? So you can, you can attempt to put a rough kind of sorter, you know, just to how many zeros in it, our value next to each of those activities. And, but I think that you'll find that probably the two highest leverage activities that you can do in your business right now are selling and training the training and leading that, those team of reformer instructors. Yeah, no, I get it. And I think it is it is hard. And when you first come into this and when you start working for yourself, when you always had a salary job, a good job, but always a salary job, um, you do have to put a value on your own time as well. And that's a lot, I think, as a business owner, you do stop valuing your time and what it can be spent doing. And then you think, oh, God, I'll just do it myself. And it is about hiring people. And it's hard over here at the moment as well. There's a massive labor shortage. Like it's, it's I don't know what it's like over there in Australia, but it is it is tough over here. It's tough finding, you know, not just instructors, any any kind of additional resource through labor. Um it is, it is quite tough. And there's a massive shortage as well of, of reformer instructors too. Like I'll put a job advert in, I'm not getting like 10, 20 CVs come back by, by no stretch, particularly out in Surrey, maybe up in London, but there is, um, there's a lot of scope there. But no, you, you definitely, you're definitely right, Raph. It is valuing your time and sometimes you don't value your time as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it is valuing your time, I agree, but I think it's not so much, I don't mean it in the sense of, like you're worth more than that. Like it's it, it like it's it's beneath you in some way to teach those one on ones or to, or to clean the toilets. I don't you know like I don't think that's beneath you. But I, what I, what I mean is, it's like I think you know you could spend that hour in a way that would give you and the business a much greater amount a much greater return. You know, no, I get it. where your your time would be spent better spent elsewhere, and it is it is that oh, you like marketing, 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 marketing. You know, get your social media as well. Like getting that on point is is very important for the business because that's your little business card as well. That's what people look at now. Your your Facebook account, your Instagram account. They want to have a sneak peek at what you're about before you even enter in the studio. So those those top things, having them on point is is very important. As much as I um. Don't embrace it as much as I should, but well, I think go with your strengths, and you're good at sales, and you're good at teaching classes, and you know what you want in that done in that in that studio. So I think uh, if I were you, I would be giving up, you know, those PT clients and and handing them off to other instructors mm. uh, first thing Monday morning, and uh, I would be spending that time. Uh, training the team, like do a, a, a weekly team meeting. If you can't manage to get everyone together every week, do it once a month and make it mandatory for everyone to show up and do it on a day when no one's working, like do it on a Sunday or a Saturday or a whatever day and just pay them for it and say, look, you have to be here. Give them notice, you know, like two, three weeks advance warning that it's going to be on. So I'm going to pay you for it. I'll buy you some sandwiches and a cup of tea and we'll have a great class, but it's re- you're required to be there. And then roll out your um, session plan, teach them a class, get them get them engaged, ask them what they think, ask them if they can make it if they think they could make it better. Um, maybe they'll have some input that will be better that you know, or maybe they won't. And you don't have to take on board any of their input. You know, everyone gets a voice but not a vote. And you can just go, okay, yeah, no, I like mine better. <laughs> and um, 
roll it out and just say, hey, I'm going to be coming around and giving you feedback on your classes and it's because I love you and I want you to be better and I want me to be better and I want our business to be better and I want us to be better as a team. And I want you to give me feedback if there's anything I can do or, or not do that will make your job easier. <laughs> I want to know about that as well. Um, yeah, and just start giving them feedback and make it like I don't even – I think the shit sandwich works okay. I've got no problems with it. But I think just the, the best book I've ever read on feedback is called Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Um, and her thesis there is basically just be kind, be loving, be straight up. Don't don't sugarcoat it. Just say, hey, look, when you said this cue, I looked around the room. No one knew what the fuck you were talking about. You know, um, <laughs> use this cue instead, right? Um, just be just be straight up. Just don't make a big deal of it, and just give them give them it with you know with with love, but with without sugarcoating it. Up, light, and direct is is the is the motto I, I tell myself before I have these conversations. So yeah, I hope you found that valuable, and I hope you implement you know whichever parts of it you find you know uh, resonate most with you. Um, is there anything else that you want to touch on before we finish? No, I'm all right. Um, yeah, so no, I think it's I think it's okay. No, it's been a good chat. Um, is there anything you wanted to to touch on, like? UK marks or anything like that, Ralph. Anything you want to, or you sort of got that, or? Well, yeah, I'm interested to know your view because you've you said you've been recently been in Australia. You run a couple of studios there in Surrey. You're opening a third one. You've got, uh, uh, you know, got Group Reformer over there, which is fantastic. I'm excited. <laughs> There's Group Reformer in the UK. Um, yeah, so if you could give me like a, a quick rundown of what you see as the the differences or similarities between the Australian and the UK sort of reformer scene, that'd be that'd be great. Okay. Um... From what I can gather, uh, I could be wrong. I could uh, – so say in Australia, very cookie-cutter from the looks of it, from when I went over there, very streamlined, lots of franchises starting to pop up. We're getting a few of the Australian franchises are coming over here now. Um, so we're getting Australian franchises coming over, um, looking in the UK market. And – Predominantly in the UK, there's not really been – there's a couple of chains, but they've sort of been localised to a certain area. Someone probably similar to myself is, is there just limited companies starting to grow. They get into an area, they know it works, and they're starting to grow in that area. Um, there's no global you – know I mean, not international kind of, you know, KX or whatnot over here in that terms. Like there's, there's those franchise – Studios across the board. Um, so we're mostly little independent businesses um, doing a few different things, classical reformer, dynamic reformer. Um, most people don't really understand the distinction. Um, it's getting more streamlined now. It's um, It's been very popular up in London. Like There's some big studios doing it up in London that are locking down the London area. Um, and then I guess that's where I came into play a little bit. Most of the people, if, if I was to open one up in the middle of the Midlands or whatnot, people wouldn't necessarily know what it is. They wouldn't understand that price point. We've been successful because people were training up in London. They'd heard of it. They got the price point. They understood why the price point was there. They were coming in going, oh, geez, why is it so expensive? Um, but the UK is going differently now where they're coming into the big leisure centers that David Lloyd's are putting them in now. 
I noticed in Australia that a few gyms just had them in as part of gym membership. You could train as much as you want in those gyms under reform. I couldn't get my head around it. I was just like, well, where is this this going that you could go into a gym, um, not even a particularly expensive gym, and get free reformer classes? And I'm like, unlimited? Yeah, it comes much more. I just, you know, I really struggle with that because it's so different over here. Um, the Dave Lloyds over here, they are putting them in. I think the, there's a few other big gyms that are putting them in, the leisure centres. and It is an additional cost on top of the gym membership. So they're offering training as well, teacher training. I've had instructors that work at those studios and they say it's a bit harder because they've constantly got this different flow of people coming into the studios so they never know who they're going to get. They've always got that sort of starting from the basics. They've got that really big disparity in the classes and skill level. And I think all instructors would know, you, you know, it's a lot easier to teach it a group of people when you say, right, hey, guys, we're doing legs and loops and everything. Next thing you know, everyone's sticking their legs up in the air in the straps um, where you've got one person who wants to do class, they've done 20 sessions and then you've got someone who's new to the class and you're blocking the class. And I think that's what they're like teaching, but that will change. It's still very new. Um, yeah, so you've got the franchises coming out over here now, um, the more cookie-cutter operations where you've got me asking these questions about creating continuity. That is a warning from me thinking, well, yeah, hang on, I've got to level up. I've got to start to create my own thing here, my own brand, which is strong and solid. It's proven. Um, so, yeah, it's different. It is very different, but it is, if it goes in the same direction as Australia, I'm not I'm not sure. Possibly. Possibly. And everyone's looking to bring better reformer as well. Yeah, that's very interesting. And what, what I saw in Australia is when you refer to cookie cutter, I think what you mean is this sort of 10 to 14 reformers in a single room doing sort of high-intensity dynamic reformer with kind of, you know, punchy music. Um, and so that that model really over the last decade and a bit since 2010 when the first KX opened, or actually, I mean, our studio opened in Melbourne in 2007. We've seen a whole bunch of different models open and this is the model that has survived like this has been it's been a very darwinian experiment here in australia and lots of you know different size bigger smaller independent different styles everything opened up but all the other ones ended up dying off and this model has survived you know this is the survival of the fittest it's uh that sort of 10 to 14 reformers in a room high high intensity dynamic reformer that is all it's cookie cutter because all the other ones are dead because this model works best so that's 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 what we've seen here in Australia. What ones do you think have died then, Raph? Like, what do you mean? Like the well, uh, so uh, at both ends of the spectrum. So when I opened my studio here in Melbourne in 2007, it was massive. We had 20 reformers in one room. We had 32 spaces in our yoga studio. We had a double uh, small group studio, so we could fit like two four-on-one semi-private groups at the same time. Two Cadillacs, two chairs, two bales, two reformers, two wall units. You know, all the rest of it. Uh, and, uh, so that, you know, that, that, that worked really well for a few years, but then the, these other competitors came in underneath us and it, we started to struggle with, against these like smaller 10 bed reformer studios around the corner because they had a much lower cost base, right? They didn't have receptionists and, you know, all the rest of it, you know, we had all of this extra overhead. Uh, and then at the other end of the spectrum, the businesses that didn't work, were uh, and luckily, you know, my business did work, and I sold out 
um, you know, it was doing quite well when I sold out. Subsequently, my partners ran it into the ground. Um, but at the other end of the spectrum, the little kind of one or two person shows where it's kind of like, I don't know, like maybe just a tiny little room with a couple of bits of equipment in it, or maybe it's a slightly bigger room with a few assorted bits of equipment and instructors kind of rent space in the room and come and teach their own client roster in there. Um, like all of these kind of little, what was the standard kind of suburban model of a little sort of uh, boutique Pilates studio? I mean, they kind of still exist, but they're just the tiny, tiny minority around the edges now, you know, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, they were this every, they were the standard you know, in the industry. So I think just this, this sort of 10, 10 to 14 reformers in a room has just proven just to be, a, you know, a, the viral winner, you know, of the <laughs> of the Darwinian experiment here. Yeah, no, I get it. And I think that's, that's the kind of – if you get your area right as well, like getting the area right, I think that's really important over here as well. Like, and that's the direction, you know, we're going is to get those, those 10 um, – 10 beds in two, but then if you pick the area as well, it's got to sustain those beds as well. Um, yeah, no, I think I think you, you bang on and I think that's that's where it'll go because there are like these little beds where the instructional will have four or four more beds. And I think that's the kind of thing I'll probably end up doing in 10 years in the middle of nowhere where nobody's ever heard of reformer. I'll open up my little shop and I'll have my four beds in there. I'll close it for summer and once I kind of, you know, cash in or get out when when hopefully the going's good like you did I'll, I'll hopefully set up my own little studio where i can sort of close the doors as and when i want don't, don't have the stresses or anything do what i want on my terms a little bit more um but yeah there are a few of those you know dotted around in the uk and, and it, i think they're in the areas where it is a labor of love someone's been instructed they've got themselves good good rent and, and they put the beds up and people are traveling for it as well um what are your viewpoints on all these gyms then opening up and banging in 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 ten twenty reformers and charging nothing for it? Like, what? Where do you you think that's a threat? Like over here? Like, oh no, I think it's I think it's fantastic. Um, yeah. We uh, when we were in the city, uh, there were two open up near us. One was called Elixir, which was a specialist kind of mind body health club. One was Virgin Active. Virgin Active open up Richard Branson's yeah uh, yep. chain. They put in, I think, like 28 reformers or something in there, something ridiculous. Oh, wow. And, um, it, you know, it's free with the membership. Do as many classes as you want. This is like mm. a block and a half from our studio. We didn't see a dip in our membership at all. Um, and I think there's two two reasons for that. One is, uh, like you say, at the gym, inherently, the, you know, the, the gym, like Virgin Active must have like 15,000, 20,000 members. Right. Whereas our, our studio had like 250 members, right? So you literally know everyone's face and everyone's name and you know everyone's sore knee and everyone's doesn't like doing splits or whatever, you know, like you know all you know which reformer they prefer and all the rest of it. Whereas at Virgin Active, it's just not possible. You've got 15,000 members, they're just in and out like a revolving door. And so you're teaching 20 people, 25 people in a class, which I don't have a problem with. I think that's great. But it just means that you you can't get to know people as well, right? And so you've always got that problem of like there's someone who's their very first class. Every class is always like five people, it's their first class. And there's that person who's more advanced and there's that person who's, you know, thinks it's like a weight machine or whatever. And so it's, it's hard to deliver the same level of quality of experience 
just by the nature of the just by the nature of the of the beast, right? Just because you've got that massive amount of members and a massive diversity of people, you know, drifting in and out, and it's much more casual in terms of who attends. Uh, and the second thing is because, all right, you've got 15,000 members, you've got 25 reformer beds, you've got 50 classes a week, you say you can come to as many classes as you want. Guess what? You can't because they're always booked out, right? Because you've got 15,000 members <laughs> and, and this is the premium class, right? So you get like a, 100, 200 people, right, who book out all of the sessions, right, and the other 14,800 you know, can't get in. So I think it's a it's a great thing that they can sell. You know, it, I, I think it's fantastic because it brings reformer to a wider audience and people are like, oh, it's in Virgin Active. It must be cool, right? Must be mainstream. It must be you know like normal. And then they see, but I can't get into the classes, right? And then they see, oh, there's you know there's Jeff's place across the road. You know, maybe I'll give that one and go. Oh, this is awesome. Maybe I'll give up my Virgin Active membership. You know, so I think I think it works. I think it works to introduce people to reformer. And now I'm sure, you know, you probably lose one or two members over over the years to, you know, if they're like 20, 20 pounds a week cheaper for the unlimited classes. But I think it is swings and roundabouts. You'll get at least as many come over to you because they're like, I joined up there and I couldn't get into a class for three months, so I'm, <laughs> I came back. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. So, yeah, no, and I think that's always been a big emphasis as well. Like community is quite important, these little small studios, like getting to know the members' names and understanding what makes them tick. Okay, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I think we can't, you know, we being small businesses – we can't compete with the big gym mm. chains. Like, on, we can't compete with them on uh, price because they've got economies of scale that we just can't have. They can buy yeah. – they buy a 1,000 reformer machines at a time. They, you know, like we can't compete, on, you know, with that. Um, we can't compete with them on, like, the, the fit-out. Like, they've just got million-pound machines and the right. swimming pool and all of the rest of it. There's no way we can compete on that. So we have to compete on being more bespoke, more boutique, more artisanal, okay? And 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 we can compete on that. They can't compete on that. That's where we can beat them, right? We have to be more, more, um, more bespoke and more artisanal, I think, and and charge a higher price accordingly. Yeah. Well, that's what we we were very mindful of our price point as well. We're not expensive, and the price, funnily enough, is coming down over here in terms of reformer, where it used to be, you know, 30, 35 pounds a session, where it is people are expecting it to come. I guess there's more competition now. There's more studios coming up. There's more beds in the studios that are opening up. So the price in turn is coming down a little bit. So it is um, getting your price point right as well. But no, okay, that's that's good. I like that. That's that's awesome. Well, it's normalised here, I think, the price of between $22 and $25 a session. That's Australian dollars. So that's probably like... Fifteen pounds, or thereabouts, a bit less. See, we're nineteen pounds, so we sell a ten pack for one hundred and ninety. That's our biggest selling, so it's about nineteen pounds a session. We're cheap. We're not an expensive studio, I would think. Like you can buy a twenty pack, brings it down. We got a few little memberships which can bring it down to about sixteen pounds a session, that type of thing. But you know, we we pay, I think, a lot more in rent and rates and council tax, all that type of thing. I've had a look at, you know, from a business point of view, just getting your numbers right. It's a little bit harder over here. There's just not as much space to get these. You know, when you're paying, putting 15 beds in the high street on a studio, you you know, you're talking epic. Like, they've just increased the business rates over here. 
Um, all the gyms have been hit massively with this business rate increase. There's a gym down the road from us, they were paying 100 grand in business rates a year. Big gym, um, doubled overnight, 200 grand, just 100 grand wiped off your bottom line overnight. So, yeah, yeah your business is over here. I remember going up to Queensland, everything's just so big. Rents are so cheap, space is so cheap over here. It's, it's not so much, but I think, yeah, look, I would struggle if I bought my prices down anymore and we're cheap to, to really make any kind of reasonable money from the place. Mm. And how many beds have you got in? We've got seven in both studios, so seven, seven, and, and one's in the PT studio. So, yeah. And the next one will have 10 to 12. Great. Well, the next thing I would do, first thing I would do Monday morning if I was you is knock out the wall between the PT studio and yeah. see how many, how many reformers I can squeeze in that one big room. Yeah, we could we could squeeze another one or two in the in our Godalming one, and that's been on the cards. We're just about to invest in another reformer, so we can squeeze it in. We might just have to be a little bit more clever in our spacing. Nineteen pounds a session times thirty sessions a week times forty eight weeks a year is twenty seven thousand three hundred and sixty pounds a year per reformer. Twenty seven thousand. That's all bottom line because you're already paid your fixed costs. So. Every extra reform you put in that studio, assuming you can fill the classes, is twenty eight thousand or twenty seven and a half thousand pounds a year. Yeah, no, they pay for themselves. No, no, I've got my calculator out because we we have yeah, I've tapped those numbers out. It's like, oh yeah, no, we're about to get enough money. I think too, like we're saving, we're hoarding all our money at the moment as well for the next studio. So you get to a certain like we've gone pretty quick. We've only we've opened two studios in two years, about to open our third. And we've gone down looking at the investment path and all that, and we, we've had potential with investment, but it's letting go as well is it's a hard thing for me. So it's, it's trying to juggle which is the best direction to go or we'll just try and beg, borrow, and, and grab as much money as you possibly can from all your available resources and, and go and try and retain it all yourself, which is, is probably the short-sighted way of looking at it, but um, yeah. Really? No, I think there's both sides to it. I mean, I'm very glad I'm the sole owner of my business. I own 100%. Yeah. Uh, but I know friends who have franchised their businesses and they love it. They're so glad they don't have to worry about, you know, all those other <laughs> franchises. They just make the rules and people follow them. So, um, I, you know, I think it's personal preference. There's no right or wrong to it. Mm. And that's, you know, you, you, you're exactly right in that. Like, it is personal pressure. And I know me, and I've been working solo for so long now, and it, it would be hard to all of a sudden go, oh, well, I just took that money out and justify that to somebody. And, you know, it, it would be hard to, to let go. But, and when and you, yeah, when you, when you have a take on investment, you, you are, you're responsible to that person. Like they've, you owe them money and you owe them a return and you owe them, uh, you know, insight into what you're doing to, to produce that return. No, definitely. And I don't know if I'm there yet. Obstinate person at times. <laughs> Great to talk with you, Jeff. Cool. Likewise. Excellent. Nice. No, it's been brilliant. Thank you. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. 
And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.